Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is Archery Unfiltered, where I, Wendell Souza, cover California archery events and what it takes to make you a better archer. What's up, fuckos? Happy December 1st. Oh, it's the most wonderful time of the year. This is my favorite, favorite month, hands down. Uh, I love indoor, you know, and... Uh, I guess December is just like the perfect month to epitomize indoor. It's cold. It's rainy. You know, uh, you got no choice but to shoot inside. <laughs> I never understood when people. Well, okay, I do. I do understand when people say they don't like indoor. I get it. I get it. Uh, but man, I just guys, this is the time of year where you become a better archer all around. I mean, uh, nothing's better than just standing in one spot and exercising your form, you know, or exercising your shot, figuring out how you like to shoot your bow. So, yep, it's December. I love it. Uh, I hope you guys had a happy Thanksgiving. Um, let's see. What's going on? Oh, okay. So, uh, I... It's the end of the year, right? So my annual podcast numbers have come in, and uh, apparently this podcast has been growing. It's getting more and more popular. So to everyone out there that has listened to the show and has shared it, uh, I just want to give you like a really heartfelt thank you. Um, I greatly appreciate everyone's support, and... Uh, Everyone that helps promote this show and uh, and kind of encourages me to keep going, I you know, thank you guys. Uh, this is pretty cool. Um, you guys know, just a couple months ago, I was I was all ready to pack this up and stop, but you know, I kept going and shit, the shows <laughs> the shows growing still, so <laughs> this is kind of cool. Um, man. I, don't know, I was just blown away when I saw the podcasting numbers. It was pretty pretty awesome. Uh, again, thank you guys. Everyone that, that uh, supports the show, thank you very much. Um, to everyone that wears an Archery Unfiltered hat uh, or a shirt or a sticker, uh, thank you guys. That, that means the world to me. Uh, right alongside with just people that message me and tell me thanks, you know, or people that say the show's helped them one way or another, um, that means the world to me as well. Uh, it makes me want to create better, better episodes, more informative episodes and not just do similar, you know, not just do fucking filler episodes and don't get me wrong. I got filler episodes <laughs> and the, the index that is my show. I got filler episodes, but, um, today I got a special episode for you. I'm going to do a real one. I'm going to do a one where you guys get actually learn something today. Um, but let's see, I, I'm, um, I'm about four or five episodes away from my 100th episode, so we'll see. I'm going to do something cool for 100. I don't know what yet. A couple people were saying, get Bob Eiler on. That would be freaking cool. As you guys know, if you guys are checking out the news, Bob Eiler went to PSE. Dun, dun, dun. PSE picks up another one. And they got, they snagged Bob Eiler. <laughs> People are, my friend Alejandro was like, eh? You ready to switch now? <laughs> it's too late. It's too late. <clears throat> if I had known, if I had known this like two months ago, yeah, you better believe it. I'd be shooting a PSE. But um, I just, I figured it out too late. And to be, 
you know, a hundred percent honest, I really like the elite line of bows. These, this twenty twenty two line of uh, elite bows is, it's fucking sick. So, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, let's see. What other archer news? Uh, Bodie posted a picture where he's shooting the Stratos again. So he's fucking with everyone now. <laughs> What's it going to be? What's he going to shoot? I, can you imagine being so good at archery? It really just not did not fucking matter what you shoot. <laughs> That's fucking impressive. I don't know. He should he should do something fucking ballsy like uh he should win Vegas with a with a diamond with an infinite edge or something weird like that. But let's see. Um, what other archery news do we got? That's pretty much it. Oh, uh, Elite is releasing a new carbon bow, right? And it straight up got leaked early. So if you want to see the new Elite bow, uh, there are pictures of it floating around. Aaron Snyder, uh, the dude that. Was he, is he like the CEO or he's like the big swinging dick at Kafaru? Um, he he sent pictures where he's like, mm, this looks like fun. And it's like him and the new Carbon Elite. So that's cool. Uh, <laughs> I think his is like a prototype or something. I'm not sure. He posted all these pictures with like a bunch of dead animals. And <laughs> his Elite bow has verdict limbs. <laughs> so I was like, what? Um Kind of funny, kind of funny because, you know, you know, recently that kid leaked um, a picture of the VTM, like the Hoyt VTM. He's like some kid that worked in a shop in Georgia leaked a photo of the the new Hoyt hunting bow, which is exactly the same as the old hunting bow, the old the last year's Hoyt hunting bow, the the Ventum, right? I mean, it is pound for pound the same bow. Maybe an inch longer or an inch shorter, depending on what your flavor is. Um, and there was like huge backlash on that kid. I heard. I heard they was like Hoyt. You know, I. I mean, I think they just gave him a warning. But for leaking shit like that, like some some bow companies will pull your uh, will pull your dealer uh, your dealer card. You know. So, I know they weren't too fond of that kid uh, or happy with that kid for doing that, but it's funny because Aaron Schneider, like, straight up <laughs> leaks the photo. And people are like, yeah, <laughs> dope. <laughs> Aaron Schneider is a beast. <laughs> the same fucking people are like, man, that kid really shouldn't have done that. <laughs> it's like, come on. Come on. Uh, if you guys want my honest opinion, which... I mean, I don't know what it's worth, but you are listening to this podcast. Um, I think these leaks, when someone leaks a photo, it actually drums up hype for the product. Like, I don't think it... I think leaks should probably be planned. Like, they should probably be intentionally dropped. And, like, maybe some pictures can be given to uh, vendors ahead of time. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not an industry guy. I'm just a dude that shoots, so... But in, in any case, anytime I've seen a bow pop up early, like a day early or a, a week early, people lose their shit over it. So, I know people be losing their shit over that carbon bow, which is cool, which is cool, I must say. It's, you know, Hoyt's got a carbon bow, Bowtech's got a carbon bow, PSE's got one, and and now Elite's got one. The Elite one looks kind of funny. It kind of looks like, um, like, you know, like, kids toys um you know like kids toy furniture looks like it's air uh or they call it it's like vacuum formed plastic the new elite the carbon elite kind of looks like vacuum formed plastic but you know maybe i'm just jelly because i already got (laughs) my hunting bow (laughs) it looks goofy but i can't say i wouldn't be all over it if i could um I don't know. My big, my big thing is uh, with elites is is about the way they shoot and not about how they look. I think they are the most tunable bow out there, um, and probably third most ugly. So, call it what you will. <laughs> um, let's see. What else do we got in archery news? 
Well, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much all I got written down to, to cover. I mean, a couple new contract uh, updates with certain people, but I mean, I covered all the big names. I mean, like, uh, what else is there? Jacob Pettit goes to Hoyt. Okay. So now there's going to be a guy running around shooting a Hoyt with short shorts on. Who cares? <laughs> you know? Um, that's really all I can think of as far as archery news goes. Um, oh, but okay. I got a good episode for you guys tonight. This is going to be one where I teach you some shit. <clears throat> and you're going to say, when do we mean teach you some shit? So first I'm going to tell you guys, okay, I, I test everything, right? Um, and then I'll try to come up with a reason why something either works or doesn't work. Uh, I'll try to come up with concrete reasons for it. When things are working, and normally because I'm shooting a better score somehow, and I tr- you know, one of the things I try not to do is brag about, or not brag, but I try not to talk about the score I'm putting down in practice. Okay, because I'm not going to, I'm not shooting any leagues right now. Leagues are going down. Um. But practice for me is just easier because I'm not at a league, you know? I'm not at a shop. I'm literally just shooting at my house. So I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have a 20-yard range at my house. Uh, it was like one of the the main things I looked for when I was moving was a, pl- you know, a place with a yard where I could get 20 yards. So um, this is where I practice. This is where I do all my tuning and stuff, all my little tweaks and tests and whatnot. But I want to make it perfectly clear that I am well aware that what I do is not the same as what, like, you guys do that shoot leagues. And that, you know, you guys that are actively competing right now, that that takes the cake. You know what I mean? Like, if I shoot, you know, if I shoot a 300, it's not the same as if uh, one of you guys shoots a 300 at league. Like, the, the 300 shot at league is the one that holds value, okay? So, I just want you to guys know, I, I try not to talk too much about, I, I try not to say, like, what scores I shoot, mainly for that for that reason, and the other one is also because, um, you know, I think it was George Riles who said, oh, we're going to talk a lot about George Riles tonight, but a long time ago, George Riles said, like, the person that post up pictures of their target you know someone will shoot like six girl clean arrows into a target and they'll take a picture they'll put it on instagram what that person is doing is really setting themselves up for sab like self-sabotage because what they're doing is they're taking a photo and they're saying that's me right and it's just a snapshot it's like a segment of the overall picture but they're pushing it to the front and so what happens is when you start shooting like shit, you start to panic and you start telling people, oh, that's not me, that's not me. And you can sink yourself into a pretty nasty hole. And so <laughs> I don't want to do that either. I don't want to tell you guys, I don't want to brag about a practice score shot in my basement to then, you know, inflate my own ego artificially, I guess, is the is why. Um, you know, it's just... I know people that brag about their practice scores. It's there's just a, an air of stink about it, um, because where it's, where it matters is in competition, right? Let's be real. Um, yeah, yeah, bragging about or talking about this, my score to me is the equivalent of shooting a a practice round by myself when no one's around, and then you know, say I shoot a three hundred by myself and then I, I'll sign the target and then put it up on the wall at you know at the range it's like no 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 that doesn't count you don't do that you you post up what goes on the wall is 300 shot in competition or 300 shot in league something shot under some pressure you know what I mean so I ain't doing that um, but I do want you guys to know that when I say something works it's usually because that it results in me shooting a better score okay and I'll try to be real realistic with you guys. Normally, if something works, normally, I feel like the gain on it, if it's powerful, right, is about one to two X's um, on average. That's that's huge. If you can increase your, sh- your shooting one to two X's by tweaking something, you know what I mean? And it might not seem like a lot because you got to shoot 30, 30 arrows, 60 sometimes if you're shooting like, you know, two qualifiers in a day. 
But <laughs> the way I see it is it's marginal gains. Lance Armstrong was all about this. Um, he was all about marginal gains. So he'd say, you know, I train real hard, you know, for the hill stage. That's going to get me 1%. And then I'm going to shoot up a whole bunch of EPO into my ass. That's going to give me 1%. And then I'm going to just guzzle this tube of human growth hormone. That's going to give me 1%. And by the end of it, he's done so many of these 1% things, he's got plus 20% on the on the other guy. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of this stuff, when I say it's like plus an X um, or plus 2X, I find it gains like 2Xs. To me, that's huge. It means I'm shooting at an average of like, I will just say for an example, 23Xs. And now I'm shooting 25Xs. Okay? Take all this with a grain of salt because there's one thing that is happening um, throughout all of it is that I'm shooting more and more. So, you know, where some, I, you know, I might say something's working now. Keep in mind, I've also put in hundreds of more arrows now, um, than I have before or, you know, than when I first started. So let's see. The first thing I wanted to start with, um, what was a listener question? Let's, let's get this listener question out of the way. It's, uh, from a guy I know named Bobby fortune. All right. Uh, Bobby has a tendency to ask me incredibly, like, heinously dumb questions from time to time, but sometimes he asks questions that are just straight bangers, right? It's a question that I think is legit, and I think everyone could stand to, to benefit from it. So, I just want you guys to know, like, you can ask me questions without the fear of judgment, Okay. Bobby gets judgment because he asked me for free shit. And even I don't get free shit. Okay. It's like everything I have, I fucking work for. <laughs> and so that's why Bobby gets like most of the, you know, he's going to get judged from me or he's going to get a ball busting. And so let's start with, <clears throat> we're going to call these little segments. When, when Bobby asks these like ridiculous questions, I'm going to, I'm going to read them in the way he writes them. All right, and we can all kind of chuckle about it, um, and then I'll try to put, turn it into a teaching uh, teaching matter. We'll call these um, what do we call these the Fortune Corner. His last name is Fortune. Doesn't Bobby Fortune sound like um, like a porn star name or a or like you're a famous poker player <laughs> or a, or a psychic <laughs> like a Vegas strip psychic? I don't know. It's weird. Anyway. Bobby Fortune says, hey, Slick, how is everything? What does adding weight to your riser? Question mark. Do I saw that on somebody's bow? Question mark. So I think what Bobby's asking is, what's the deal with people just tacking weight onto their riser? Right. And what does it do? Um, I've, I've dabbled in that a little bit. Okay. Um, some of the times I've done it, I was shooting like a lot of front weight on my bow and I was having trouble with like the very end of the shot. Like so, every so often I'd shoot a shot and the bow would kind of flick upward. So I would tack some weight on the, on the riser in hopes of damping it. Um, yeah, I, I was tacking weight to the riser to stop the bow from this like upward flick, right? Did it work? Not really. I found there were better ways to um, reduce that flick than just tacking weight there. But let me just go through. The the two top shooters that I know that, that tack weight to the riser are Mike Schlosser, which I believe he's, he has like 12 to twelve to 15, to possibly 18 ounces tacked to his riser. And then Sarah Lopez. Um, she, she tacks like four or five ounces to the riser and that little girl that, uh, whooped all them women in Vegas, that little Hawaiian girl, Liko, she tacks weight to the riser. I think she might shoot more mass weight on her bow than I do. Um, so what does it do? Here's some people that do it. All right. Top shooters do it. Um, Domagoy Budin does it, or at least he did it like, I want to say like a year ago, maybe two years ago. Um, Here's what I do know from people that run it more more often than I do, okay? I've talked to people. Um, one year, I was shooting 
field state field championship. And Sunday I got flighted with was I flighted? I think I was flighted. Uh, I had to shoot with Seneca Nunez. Okay, and a lot of people, if you're not from California, <clears throat> Seneca Nunez is like um, this burly, burly Mexican dude who she shot an elite back then. God damn it, he's so ahead of the ahead of his time. Um, Seneca was a badass, badass shooter, and at every state event, his name would be near the top easily. Um, I think Seneca could have gone pro. Like, no problem. If he wanted to, he easily could have gone pro. Um, or, I mean, he easily could have gotten his pro card. He qualified, you know, left and right. He could have gotten a... I think he could have gotten a pro sponsorship somehow. Like, that's something that eluded me, even. You know what I mean? I never got a, a legit bow contract. I think Seneca could have. Um, but as with, you know, things, it, life got in the way. You know, I can't remember if it was his work or whatever, but anyway, back to the state field. He, um, amazing shooter and I get flighted to shoot against him on Sunday and, uh, he tells me straight up like first two targets. He's like, man, my hold is, he's like, I'm so nervous. I can't hold it all. Like I'm, I'm just shaking everywhere. And, um, I remember I was nervous, but I am, I'm always nervous. There is no competition that I am not fucking terrified so i'm just like oh <laughs> this first time being nervous you know <laughs> i'm always nervous um and so he busts out this little four stack of weights i can't remember if it was four or more but it was like a little four stack or five stack of weights with a stud on the end and he's like this is what i carry this around for he tacks it onto his bow riser and instantly he's shooting like you know either all x's or you know, everything in the spot and he's got, it's almost like that's how he meant to set his, you know, it's like, almost like that's how it was supposed to be. <laughs> and he didn't take it off for the rest of the weekend and he crushed with it. Um, I think it was Sunday. So rest of the weekend meant rest of the day, but he crushed with it and he just used it to dampen the shakes that he got from being nervous that day. And because it went right to his riser, it didn't alter you know, his bar, you know, his bar ratio, I guess. If you ask me, I would think it would alter your bar ratio because you're changing your center of mass, I guess. You know, that you're like if you were to put an arrow pointing down to where, you know, your bow is going to be, you put a little bit of weight behind your grip. You're kind of bringing the weight back a little bit, you know, the center of mass. But who knows? Who knows? I don't have the, uh, the tool the tools to tell you exactly what it is. So what you guys are getting is class A bro science. And if, if I can do anything better than most, it's give you bro science. Oh, I got, I got more bro science for you. This tonight's going to be packed full of it. So I hope you guys brought your bro notebooks. <clears throat> okay. Domagoy told me, cause I asked Domagoy, um, Hey, what's with the uh, weight on the riser? What does that do for you? And he told me it's like having a sort of like having a V bar, um, just less fruity, um, you know, at, at on at the glance. Um, so the V bar effect is that he had uh, you know basically another point of weight on his bow. He didn't say less fruity. That I interjected that. Domagoy is a perfect like a real professional dude he would never say that but let's be real you know what you look like when you're shooting a v-bar and it ain't it ain't not fruity okay <laughs> and so um yeah domagoy said that's the kind of effect he got it helped him level helped him stay level during execution so that's that was a good explanation i like that one um you know i i think as far as getting the bow to not flick upward, that did not seem very effective to me. Like the the better ways to weight your bow would be through your back bar, I think, if you're trying to stop the bow from flicking up. And it seems counterintuitive. Most people would say front bar. And I think that works to a degree. But sometimes you get these little bow flick ups at the very end of your shot. Um, 
and it's not all of them. It'd be like intermittent every four or five or six, right? And it's just because you're you're just on the cusp of like too much weight on the front that your you know your grip pressures you're not getting enough heel on your grip pressure. It's almost like you're you're just throat punching the grip on your bow. So your hands becoming this fulcrum, and every so often you're kind of losing the losing the battle of where you want that bow to go. So that's my opinion on it, right? Let's see what else do we got on the notes. Um, okay, here's another cool one that I thought of. Uh, where you stack weight on your bow determines which group of muscles you're recruiting during your execution and even aiming, right? And you can test this. Take all the weights you own, cram them all on your back bar, all right? And then tell me, like, take a a Sharpie marker and have your, you know, your imaginary girlfriend circle on your back where the uh, muscles are that are being engaged. Now take all that weight off your back bar and put it on the front and show, have your, you know, imaginary friend draw on your shoulder now what muscles are engaged. It's going to feel totally different. And so I feel like when you start moving that weight around, maybe even tacking weight onto certain spots, you are either recruiting and turning on other muscles to help you or you're turning off other muscles that might be interfering. Sometimes I have felt like when my bow is weighted forward, I'll be using like, let's just say, for example, four muscles, right? Three of them are nice and calm and smooth, and one of them is shaky as fuck during execution. And then maybe I I add a couple ounces to the back, and what happens is those three uh, like calm muscles are still engaging, but now that fourth trembling muscle is off. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm not engaging that fourth muscle anymore. So, I mean... I kind of think there might be that we're all built so different that I can't say exactly what, you know, adding what weight to what part is going to engage what muscle on you. I think it, you know, it varies form to form body type. Um, you know, whether or not you're like big and muscular like me or, you know, maybe you're sleek and nimble like my buddy Jim, you know, like we're all built differently. So, yeah, that's that's the main thing. I, I also think it has something to do with just finding which muscles are the ones you want to use. And, you know, that's another big one that I've always gotten into on this show where it's like you kind of got to test stuff and figure out what works for you. And I mean, it's such a cop-out answer because it's like anyone could say that and it just is like, all right, here you go. Ball's in your court. I'm done. <laughs> um, Let's see. More mass weight reduces the bow's, quote, recoils, um, i.e. small wheel weird twitches from torque that we are imparting on it. Um, you know, I, I had a dream the other night where it's like, pretend your bow without, with, with, with no weights on it, right, is like a college professor. No, it's not a college professor. You're the college professor. And your bow is a really, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a really uh, weak-minded, whiny student that you have, right? And as you're shooting your bow, you're talking, you're like a professor talking to their student. And every little torque that you put on your bow that sends these arrows out your students going or no we'll just call those things you know forget that analogy sucks i'm sorry we're gonna go on with that analogy i'm still gonna use it (laughs) but just imagine the torque and and little things that you're putting on your bow are just micro aggressions right and your bow just doesn't have the testicular fortitude to resist them right um adding weight to your bow on your stabilizers or to the riser is increasing the mass weight, which is almost like, you know, now that bow is drinking a little bit of whiskey, lifting weights, uh, maybe gets in a couple fights. And now these microaggressions that you're putting into it 
it, they just dissipate. So I don't know. It's kind. Of, it's a weird analogy. It was funnier in my mind, <laughs> but um, the the whole thing I'm trying to get at is increasing your mass weight on your rig on your setup will resist the microaggressions that you put into it. All right. So personally, personally, I like snowflake bows. All right. Like I like high let off uh, lightweight bows. I'm just getting old and frail. So, you know, I'm kind of like, you know, when you see old junkies that have old junkie girlfriends that they slap around, that's kind of my, that's kind of my MO. At least with bows. Don't get me wrong here. Okay. I have, I have a wife and a daughter that are treated very well. (laughs) So let's not, let's not get it mistaken. (laughs) So that was the fortune mo or we're going to call it the fortune corner. All right. So Bobby keeps sending us those great spot on awesome, uh, like well-written questions. And we're going to keep, we're going to keep sharing it. Okay. And if you guys are nervous to, uh, you know, to ask me a question because you think I'll make fun of you. What's the worst I can I The worst I'll do is make fun of you. All right. And then I'll answer the question. Okay. <laughs> so it's not even that bad. Um, okay. Uh, the big thing that I want to talk about tonight is node tuning. Um, but before we get to that, I want to talk about point weight. So... I've been shooting 150 grain point uh, uh, point weight on my indoor arrows, on my 27 diameter arrows now for, I want to say, two years. Um, I did considerable work in Vegas last year with that point weight. I was shooting a Matthews with a Hamski, uh, Hamski, uh, Hamski arrow rest. Someone told me they hate the way I say Hamski, uh, and now it because they told me that, it's now burned in my brain to say it that way. Um Damn it. Now I can't let it go. This year, I'm running a blade solely for the purpose of tuning. Okay? I, I just wanted... When I got the Elite, I wanted to bear shaft tune it, and I just wanted to do it quick. So I threw a blade on there, you know, and bear shaft tune real quick. Bam. And now when I make little changes, if I want to just double check that my bear shaft tune is on, uh, you know, I'll send a bear shaft down and if i need to give it a little tweak up or down it's super easy i don't gotta worry about um you know cable tension or or anything like that and really if you get a hamski set up properly you really don't have to either uh, i'm not saying i won't return to the hammy just because i feel like a hammy is um is a really bulletproof setup um the blades are just simple that you know there's no moving parts it's just a simple eh, that's not true because the blade does flex. That flexes a lot. But I'm just shooting a blade for sim- simplicity reasons. Um, I don't know, though. Have you guys ever had it where you're, like, shooting and some jack-off fucking does something to your bow? Like, maybe they... I remember I was I was shooting once at an arrow on my launcher. I had an arrow knocked. And this kid next to me just smacked my arrow for whatever i can't remember what it was either he sneezed or i can't remember and it fucking bent my blade fucking day was done because i didn't have any spares so if you are shooting a blade out there um get a spare make sure you have a couple spares and and you're good to go because man that fucking kid slapped my shit up i even had a day where i was practicing with rudy sandoval recently and he did something where he pulled my arrow and it was like bending the shit out of my blade. And he was like, let me shoot your bow. And I was like, okay. And he was like having trouble keeping the arrow on the rest. And he like bent it down for some reason. And it fucked up my point of impact after that. So it's like, you know, with a hamski, you really don't have to worry about that. You got a fiber, you know, one of those fiber blades. You're set. You don't got to worry about shit. So... I mean, man, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, how come I'm not running a drop away right now? Anyway, uh, I'm pretty sure I told you why is why. I'm just going for simple stuff. But So I, I'm running a blade, and I'm shooting, uh, I'm going to say pretty good scores. 
with a 150 grain point. I'm going to say I could go like two days clean, right? And then I'll shoot a 299. Or I'm sorry, two games. Two games clean and then like a 299. And I kind of figured this is at the very beginning of me playing around with the Elite. And then Austin Watts is like, hey man, you should try the 270 grain point. And I was like, nah, man, you know, I was very resistant to it because um, I feel like I had done all this testing in the past. Um, but to humor him, I set up a 275 grain point, And then one day, and, you know, we're going back and forth. He's slaying me on games. Like Austin can shoot a 27, 28X game with his eyes closed. So he's slaying me on these games. So I try the 275 grain point, And what do you know? I like it. And I can't tell you exactly why, because it's not a miracle cure-all. It's not like I can break an arrow in the four ring and it's an X. But it's definitely worth, like, at least two Xs, right? Uh, my X count's higher. I'm going a little longer in practices before I shoot a nine, you know? I'm digging it. And so I've been shooting the 270 grain point for about two weeks now. And... My theory is that as the blade is, or I'm sorry, as the arrow is running down the blade to get launched out, you know, your blade's got like a little bit of chatter. There's a little bit of wiggle going on in this blade. And my theory is that a 270 grain point smooths, oh, like the arrow glides right over that chatter or it pulls right through it. You guys know a spring steel blade is not going to, Put a bunch of interference on on a, an object but if you think about it like an animal running through the cornfield right a cornfield <clears throat> a small skinny animal running through the cornfield i.e your 150 grain point is going to get affected on its path more than oh say a buffalo running through a cornfield so that's my analogy for the 270 over the 150 now i'm not saying the 150 is dead right and so that okay i told you guys that's my analogy for why the 270 works now let me just tell you that Bodie shot his 30x games with a blade and a 120 grain point possibly or 150 grain point <clears throat> so everything i'm saying might be bullshit all right and i think i know why i think i so i have another theory as to what's going on here I think that the nodes on the 270 grain point line up closer to your arrow rest than the two, uh, the 150. So, um, about a week ago, I was talking to... Oh, yeah, okay. Before I get into that, I'll, I'll let you guys know. I don't just do shit and then profess it to you guys without asking people that... I know first to test this stuff also. And I have a friend named Tim Moen. He is a bow hunter freestyle shooter. And I feel like because he's bow hunter, I can talk I can just tell him everything I'm doing and not worry about this guy ever being someone that's gonna <laughs> be shooting against me. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Which is not true. You know, I mean someday he's gonna go freestyle, I'm sure he's gonna fuck some shit up. But he's an, an amazing bow hunter freestyle shooter, and he shoots like freestyle esque sh uh, scores, bow hunter style. And so I told him about the two seventy five or the two seventy grain point. He's currently testing it. Um, you know, we're going back and forth on what we think we're experiencing here. I'm not sure if he's a big fan of it, but uh, as far as I can tell there is some kind of improvement, at least in my own shooting. Okay. <clears throat> Fast forward. I'm talking to my buddy, Elliot Peters. We're talking about indoor and like what kind of prep we're going to do. He's got, he just got a bow Cerakoted and it looks freaking cool. It looks like a call of duty rifle. Um, his new bow. And <laughs> Elliot's telling me like, oh, I'm not going to go crazy with tuning. I might just do some node tuning. And uh, and that'll be it. I thought, huh, node tuning. I haven't thought about node tuning in like a year at least. And then that was it. Out of, you know, in one ear, out the other. 
And then going through Instagram, I happen upon Tyler Heritage. Um, <laughs> you guys might know Tyler Heritage as like one of these young shooters that he just he fucking crushes. He can shoot a clean field round. That's how good he is. He can clean a field round. <laughs> he shot field nationals with my buddy Rudy Sandoval. Rudy was, you know, to quote Rudy Sandoval, he was really impressed with Tyler Heritage. Now, keep in mind, Rudy says he is it incredibly. He says he's impressed with any young man <laughs> that will like not offend him. <laughs> if you're a young man and you just say something that's like not jackassery, <laughs> Rudy will walk away and go, "That kid, I, I'm really impressed with that kid." You know, <laughs> so. Uh, man, Rudy's really impressed with young men a lot. <laughs> He's kind of like the. <laughs> Never mind. I'm not gonna get into making fun of Rudy. <laughs> we'll do that later. But um, Tyler Heritage is this guy that Rudy shot with. Tyler fucking shoots smoke. Okay, on his Instagram, he was doing like an "Ask Me Anything" type thing. You know, how people do that on their stories. They'll be open for questions. People ask questions and they kind of answer them in these like artful little, uh, framed things so someone asked him like what do you do to get ready for competition and he said something about like uh just make sure that you know my node tuning is is on point and then someone asked well can you how do you do your node tuning what's node tuning and he said i'm not going to tell you that i can't tell you all my secrets and right there i thought oh man it's not like what okay now now Wendell steps in. <laughs> I'll tell you guys what no tuning is. Um because I feel like there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of nonsense that goes around archery and I'm not sure if no tuning is one of them or not, but I'm I'm currently in the middle of testing it. <laughs> I mean seriously testing it. So <laughs> first let's go over what node tuning is, okay? Um on an arrow, you have nodes. And uh, if you think of an arrow flexing in space, uh, you, you've seen the Olympics with like a recurve archer, right? When they shoot an arrow in slow-mo, that arrow, <coughs> it bends, right? bends one way and then it bends the other way. Well, there's two points on this arrow that are kind of like the pivot points of that bend. And if you're shooting an arrow, it's flying straight. Those two points, those two pivot points, ride that straight line to the target, if that makes sense. Um. Uh, anyway, that's f that's for recurve. All right. So this is where it gets kind of weird because people apply that theory to um, compound, and that actually is not what happens. If you read the Easton Tuning Manual, they talk about arrow nodes in the Easton Tuning Manual. That's a free PDF that you can download off the internet right now. All right. And the Easton Tuning Manual says that when you shoot an arrow with release, uh a compound bow and a release that wave i'm sorry the uh the bend is now vertical all right and i've heard it described as a wave and not a um a bend like the recurve bend uh i <laughs> for for the sake of understanding i'm just going to say it's the same as the recurve bend only it's vertical okay so there's two pivot points on your arrow and that arrow is going gonna, is gonna to bend vertically when you shoot it. So why is that important? Well, if your arrow rest is in front of that node, when you shoot, your arrow, the tip of that arrow is going to bend downwards for a split second in space and time. That arrow is going to point downwards right? as the arrow bends. And then it straightens out. Is that a bad thing? No. Spring steel on your in your rest or whatever arrow rest your your hammy is gonna resist that right. But when the arrow bends back, now your veins are gonna be below that point. Or no, I'm sorry, that's not true. So shaft's gonna be below the point, and then the arrow, and then when it goes back and rebounds again, then your veins are gonna be below that point. Or maybe it never gets that far, and your veins are just below that point all the way out, right? It, before you even get through your first bend, if that makes sense. I hope I'm not getting too confusing here. <clears throat> so, it is believed, I believe I've even heard George Riles say that the point to node tuning is vein clearance. 
and, and what you're getting is an arrow that shoots off of the blade straight and does not ride your blade, doesn't shoot any downward pressure into your blade. Interesting, interesting theory, okay? And you, you guys will see most of George Rail's kids, they don't shoot their, their arrows. They got some overhang, right, uh, off of their blade. So you guys will know this goes against the gold tip protocol for tuning your indoor arrows. What is the gold tip protocol? Cut it to a half inch in front of the blade, all right? Gold tip says cut them short, run them. <clears throat> gold tip will even go so far, i.e. Tim Gillingham will say, when you cut your arrow that short, when you cut it right up to the blade, you are reducing torque imparted to the point of the arrow, right? Like if you, if you torque the bow left and right, your arrow is not, you know, if you're overhanging your blade, now you're, when you torque it to the right, now it's going to, you know, your arrow is going to point left. And when you torque it, you know, left, it's going to point right, you know? Yeah, it makes sense. You know, I can picture that. It makes sense. But if you cut it to the blade, is that pivot, is that thing still not happening? Isn't that still happening? You're just not seeing it because you've cut off the ex the excess that would be doing the pointing? I don't know. So, you know, Gillingham also shoots a hamski, a drop away. So, I have a theory that this shit would not apply. If you're shooting a hamski, then the whole concept of vein clearance is, it's a moot point, right? Like, you should be getting vein clearance, period. Anyway, I know with other people I've heard, I, I maybe in the, the Easton Manual even, it says that no tuning gives you like some form of forgiveness um, because of your arrow alignment. Now you, you now have an arrow that is aligned towards the target. Um, but the Easton Tuning Manual also says compound bows. Just fucking crush them and send them down, down range perfect anyway. <clears throat> so, how do you find the node? Well, there are two methods for finding the node. There's actually three, okay? Let me start with the method you can't do. Uh, the third method, which would be the most expensive, is you find some sort of resonant frequency meter and you run a frequency down your arrow shaft and then you probe it with like a finger gauge until you find these two points that are... <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay, that was a filler. That's real. It's real, but there's no point for me to tell you that. But <laughs> I apologize. Okay. The way George Ryle says to do this is to flick your arrow. He will hold his arrow by like the knock side, right? He'll place the point side on like the edge of a table and he'll bend the arrow down. Now, the only time I've ever seen him do this was at some kind of seminar and he was doing it to a field arrow, like an X10. And you you, you flex the arrow down and then you kind of let it you kind of let up and or you flick it, right? And it'll bounce up. And he just keeps flicking it and then moving it along the table, like the the area behind the point, his contact point with the table. He's moving it until he finds like a damp spot. And then at that damp spot, he's like, there's my node, right? I never got to see it close up, so I couldn't exactly see what kind of flick action he was going for. But he's described it as, you know, the dead spot. Um, you really can't do that with 2712s. Uh, or, you know, triple X's. They're just too stiff. They don't have that rebound ability that the X10 does. Or, or they don't flex, you know? <clears throat> so I was like, well, <clears throat> that method sucks for that. Um, and then I noticed Jake Kaminsky talks about node tuning for recurve bows. All right? And uh, he talks about how to find the node on the arrow. And his method is you, hold, you pinch your arrow behind the point, right? Somewhere behind the point. And he smacks his arrow against his leg. Again, I got big muscular legs, so it doesn't create that same effect. So I had to, I would bang the the tail end of my arrow shaft on a table, on the corner of the table. And it creates a, a vibration in the arrow. Where, you know, So picture you're holding your arrow maybe an inch behind the point, and then you bang it, you know, you bang the shaft on, uh, you know, near your fletchings, bang it on the corner of a table, and your arrow goes, bzzz, 
mm-hmm. right? Move, you move where you're pinching that arrow. So you maybe you start like an inch behind the point, uh, go to like two inches, inch and a half. I, I was going by quarter inches, right? And Kaminsky says when you find a point that resonates the longest, that's going to be the node. He said it'll be noticeably longer than any other point. And that makes sense to me because that's the bendiest fucking point that you're pinching right there. You're like, that's what, that's the node. That's the pivot point. And so uh, I did it and I noticed that when you go past, when you go further, like way further past, you can pinch it and you can smack it and it's dead. Like it doesn't vibrate at all. And then you kind of move up a little bit and you'll hit the buzz and then it'll go you'll you'll find it you'll find it um basically let me see if i can take a peek at one of my arrows right now <sighs> it looks like right now the node on my 275 grain points is about three inches back from the carbon on the point side so kaminsky also said something interesting where he said the heavier point moves the node forward towards the point the lighter point weights move the node backwards towards the center of the arrow. So that makes me wonder, is that why the 275 grain point is working out so damn well for me? Because the node is closer to my arrow rest and I'm getting better vein clearance with the heavier you know, with the heavier point? I don't I don't know. Again, this is all very bro sciency, you know? Um so, using Kaminsky's method, I found the nodes, I marked them, plugged them into my bow, noticed that I had to change my, I had to move my arrow rest. I basically had to move my arrow rest, arrow rest back about three quarters of an inch. So, I did that. Like the new, you know, I have a freak show, um, and most of the new bows have two uh, mounting holes on your, like two burger holes. So, you can get your, you can get your, Arrow rest way back if you want to. I got the blade right underneath the node. I shot today, guys. I'm telling you, plus 1x. Easily plus 1x. And I was not expecting to shoot good today because yesterday was like a high-volume day of shooting for me. Generally, what I do is... Well, not generally. A new thing that I'm doing is a really high volume of shooting on like a Wednesday... And then Thursdays, I will do low volume, like maybe one one Vegas round, so then I can run inside and then record a podcast for you guys. This is actually the second time I recorded this podcast. I don't know what I did, but I lost the first one. <laughs> so, um, so there you have it. Node tuning. As of right now, I think it is worth 1x if you're shooting a blade. I cannot say for sure if it's that beneficial if you're shooting a hammy. Um you know, because George Riles is saying that the main point of it is vein clearance, I would argue that it's not beneficial for hammy, <laughs> for the hammy. Um, but if it is an alignment thing, if there's forgiveness in it due to alignment, you know, shit, I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it is worth it. Really tough to say. Really tough to say. There are much better shooters than me. I.e. Kyle Douglas cuts it, you know, he follows the gold tip protocol, cut it to the blade and run it. He's shooting a hammy. So, you know, you guys do what you will. If you're shooting a blade, I definitely think it's worth examining because like I said, it's a, it's an incremental, it's a marginal gain. I'm going to say between going to 275 grain points and then doing that, I mean, that's three X's right there. I think that's an increase in three X's. So I will test this again. I'm going to test this for two weeks now. And I'll let you guys know if it's not anything better than just where I had it before, which was like, I, you know, I like to run my, my arrow rest forward a little bit. And I'll be honest, when I, when I had to move my rest back, I thought, well, this is going to suck because this is not where I torque tune. You know, I didn't torque tune my sight here. If anyone's wondering what torque tune my sight means, check out the Mike Pistelli episode that I did. I interviewed Mike Pistelli a while ago, and the dude had the most comprehensive. He he had the best bow setup 
episode like the talk like the talk i had with him he talks about how he set up his bow and i set my bows up according to how pastelli does right mike does this thing where he torque tunes his bow with his sight and i think that is the fucking cat's pajamas and believe it or not if you torque tune with your sight you can move your arrow rest three quarters of an inch and you will not lose your torque tune I did it this morning. I checked my bear shaft. My bear shaft didn't change. I would think moving your arrow rest back change would change everything. <clears throat> Not the case. Um, you know, is it because it's an, an elite bow? I don't know. I don't know. I I'm usually not one to put it all on the bow. You know, but uh, this bow is treating me very well. So I, I can't say. Oh man, getting all emotional here. <laughs> but yeah, you guys check out the Mike Pistelli episode. Like, uh, I, I gotta get that guy back on, pick his brain for indoor. But uh, that is the that is no tuning in a nutshell. Um, I hope you guys like it. I mean, if you're running a blade, it's it's worth it. It's worth trying. Uh. If you have a tournament, if you have a tournament coming up soon, don't do it. Don't change anything. If you have a tournament, I'm going to say within two weeks, don't fuck around with it. Eh, maybe two weeks. If Give yourself a week, but you got to be consistently shooting, okay? Um, definitely don't do this shit the night before in a tournament and then complain to me that I fucked you over somehow. That is not, <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. Only do it if you got time to kick around, okay? Um, as of right now, I like it. I think it's cool. I, I usually don't like having this much arrow overhang, but hey, with the results driven sport, man, I'll shoot the arrow backwards if it gets me 30 X's. <clears throat> so I told you guys this was going to be a good episode. And you know, after hunting season, after bow hunting this year, I was really starting to understand. I was really starting to feel the the love for bow hunting and starting to think like this could be the thing that takes me away from, from target archery is bow hunting. I could feel myself being more interested in hunting, like the hunting aspect of, of archery than, uh, the target aspect. And I think that's just what happens, you know, uh, when you, when you just don't win anymore and you start to get older and you realize you're kind of obsolete, you start to morph into this, Kind of like, do you guys ever watch The Fly where Jeff Goldblum is sl slowly like uh, turning into this gigantic fly? Uh, it's like that. I I'm going through that only that, you know, after I get after I like lose my fingernails and I vomit up a bunch of teeth, uh, what's left is just John Dudley. So I could totally see myself turning into John Dudley, but I'll never be able to compete with all that shit. You know what I mean? As far as a podcast goes. <clears throat> That dude is just a, he's a marketing machine. As far as target archery goes, though, this podcast is doing all right for himself. <laughs> and, you know, that's not without all, you know, all the cool guests I've had on. Um, Tom Parkinson is another one. You know, dude is my, uh, I can honestly say Tom is, at this point, he's my tuning, he's like my tuning mentor. And I know he won't, you know, I'm sure I annoy the fuck out of him, so <laughs> yeah, sure you don't don't want to hear it, but <clears throat> that's who I go to with my questions. Him and uh, you know Austin Kincaid, those two dudes, I will we'll pick their brains twenty four seven. So that's what it is, guys. Archer and filtered. We are on the quest for Mo Middle, and uh, I think if you if you're shooting a blade, you do the shit that I talk about right now, you might get a little Mo Middle. Uh, I know I'm I'm getting it. Um, so yeah, uh, I guess that's the episode for today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope your brains feel bigger. Um, thank you guys for listening. As always, this, this podcast is brought to you by carbon craft stabilizers, the best stabilizer in the world. As far as I can tell, um, I got, I got bars. So if you guys want to try them, let me know. I always got some in my bag. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll loan you a pair for a week. Um, yeah, 
if you guys want to check them out, check them out. I'll let you shoot mine. Um, if you want to order a set, please contact Brian Webb down at Impact Archery in Fresno or contact my man Rudy Sandoval at West Coast Archery in Petaluma. That reminds me. We got a tournament coming up. Uh, your ma- your boy, DZ is going to, uh, when DZ is going to be competing. You guys want to hear something funny? I work with this Asian guy. So, a long time nickname of mine has been Wendeezy, right? I think since high school, people call me Wendeezy. Just because Wendell sounds so fucking weird as a name. <clears throat> people call me Wendeezy. <laughs> this Asian guy I work with, his first week there, he goes, uh, do they call you Wendweasel? <laughs> he thought people were calling me Wendweasel. <laughs> so, anyway. In two weeks, Wend Weasel is going to be competing at the Bay Area Open. Uh, I am super excited. We'll we'll get to see. There's, I have a feeling I'm gonna, I'm going to be passing the torch on at that event to a couple. You know, there any handful of number of good shooters, but <coughs> you guys know me. I'm an American. I ain't going down without a fight. If anyone's going to win this tournament, they're going to have to fight for it, whether it be me or any of these other cool locals so <laughs> i hope you guys maintain that same attitude when you go out and shoot um it, oh that's right other news that i i got a shoehorn in here west coast archery is having a customer appreciation day on sunday this shop is normally closed sunday um but it is going to be open we're going to have people from vortex will be there hoyt sales rep will be there uh i think matthews will have something set up uh, we're going to be showcasing the phase four bow. Um, I'll be there, you know, I love Matthew's bows as well. I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you guys. <clears throat> so I'll help. If you guys have any questions, I'll be there. You can pick my brain. Um, I might bring an elite bow just to fuck around with, but it'll be my own. <laughs> but yeah, uh, come on up. Come on up. Let's talk shop, dude. Uh, I'll help you find the node on your arrows. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so, yeah, that's this Sunday. West Coast Archery Customer Appreciation Day, December 4th. Come on up. <clears throat> you guys can, if you don't want to talk to me, you can talk to Rudy Sandoval or Austin Watts. They are the two uh, leading bow technicians there. They're both professional, like, literally, are card carrying pro archers. Um, they work together. They're they're a great tag team. They're kind of like uh, what is it like Shrek and Donkey? I'd say they're very much like Shrek and Donkey, and they have a very good Shrek and Donkey dynamic. And they'll they'll get you all set, and you'll be walking out of there with a smile on your face. All right, guys. Um, aside from that, DB Custom Coatings, last commercial of the night. You guys know my friends Darren and Bet out in Napa. They be Saracote and Bows. Um. They do damn fine work also. So, I know after Vegas, I'm getting my ugly-ass Elite Cerakoted. <laughs> my Elite is like concrete gray. It's like blacktop gray. You would think a gray bow would look cool. This one looks dumb. <laughs> uh, it looks cool with the, my Tom Parkinson strings, I gotta say. Tom Parkinson makes a good-looking set of strings. So... I will be sending this bow to Darren to Saracote after Vegas. Uh, I don't know what color I'm going to do. It seems like everyone's doing tan or OD green now. It's like, I hope you guys know, I was doing OD green before it was cool. That's right. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it. Uh, but now i got to do something else. What's cool? Uh, what do you guys think is cool that isn't being done? Maybe I get my bow Saracote to look like an Arizona iced tea can. Like kind of green, like a teal green with like little pink flowers on it that'd be cool anyway um that's the episode guys thank you for listening thank you for all the support um if you if you can if you like the show tell a friend share it with somebody uh help help spread the word around you know i don't get paid to do this i do this for the love of the game and for a hate of the other podcasts when they fucking try to sell you guys shit that you don't need Ooh, um, let me not end it on a negative note like that, though. All right, let's end it on a positive note. I thought of this today. Why do we do archery? <coughs> um, 
because we, you know, it makes us feel good about ourselves. But tell me you don't feel extra good about yourself when you do good and you shoot good. <laughs> All we can do, whether or not we, you know, are a Bodie Turner or, you know, maybe we shoot like um, Joel Turner. <laughs> All we can do is be our best selves. You know that? Um, and any, you know, state, you know, treat yourself with discipline and practice and, and developing a program and something that you can stick to. Um, I have heard Jocko say through discipline is freedom. But discipline helps you be the best person you can be. And I think that goes true with with anything, not just archery. Um, so yeah, take that, take that to heart. Discipline helps you be the best person that you can be. And, uh, all you can do, well, all you should do is be the best person you can be. And don't be one of these, you know, I've had those days. You guys have heard my episodes where all I'm doing is tearing shit down. I'll try to do that less. I'll try to do a little more positive stuff. Let's do a little more uplifting. Let's kill the bear. All right. All right, guys, that's this episode. I'm going to try to get on this weekly. If you guys want to hear more tuning shit, let me know. I will cover shit in depth. And I tell you, I don't talk about this stuff without doing my homework. All right? All right, guys. Thank you very much. Y'all have a good night. Peace.